morning. I'm going to open up to Titus 2. Keep going on in Titus here. Kind of a just kind of a reminder before we read it, the, where we're at in Titus as a whole and what this section particularly we're talking about. You know, the whole overview of Titus could be um, doctrine and obedience. You know, who is God? What is the gospel? How does that play out in our lives? And chapter 1 talked about how does that work in the church? And who is God? What is the gospel? And what does that mean the church should look like? Chapter 2, we're talking about individuals. So, Everyone here is either a man or a woman, and so you fall into the category, one of the categories here, you're either older or younger, and so how does that work it itself out in our life? And in each of the chapters, he's pulling and appealing to the reason we do these things is because of who God is and what he's done, and this, then in chapter 3, we're going to talk how do we relate to unbelievers, and then again, appeal to the gospel, appeal to who God is and what he's done for why we act the way we act. And so, let's read chapter 2 here together. As for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. In your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bondservants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Okay, so we've already talked about three things that could kind of be an overview. The first two were faith and love. So everything the Christian in their life should do should be motivated and come from a place of love uh, for God and for others, and then also a faith in God. And then also we talked about self-control last week, which really everything we're going to talk about today and everything in, really in Titus 2, you could say, falls under that category of self-control, whether that's your behavior, whether that's your thinking, whether that's your words, and that pretty much covers the whole chapter. All those in every area we need self-control. But today we're just going to go through and just try and hit everything else, um, at least as far as men today and just talk a little bit about each one and I really liked Andy's message about um, the end of Titus 2 where he talked about that we need to deny I don't remember if this is exactly how he said it but basically hitting those these three thoughts from Titus 2 where he talked about how we need to deny something 
and um, well, I'll say it the way I'm going to say it, and this is basically what Andy said. I just put it in my own, own words here. We need to look back, so look back to how we were before we were saved. Um, and he just talks about denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We need to look for help. That's to Christ. And we need to look forward. And that's one of the things Andy really focused on was forward to the hope of the resurrection. And so that's really true for every single one of these things we read. And I'm taking that from this summary at the end where he talks about, he uses the word deny ungodliness and worldly lust, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. So the way we live that way is looking to Christ for help and then waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's looking forward. So look back to how we were before we were saved, what we were redeemed out of. Look for help to Christ and look forward to being with him. So let's just go through here these men passages, and we'll talk about each one of these words for a little bit and then move on to the next one. So let's start here, and we'll just read through, and we'll just hit it word by word here. Two, two, older men are to be sober-minded. Let's start with that, sober-minded. What is this talking about when it means sober-minded? Well, sober-minded could be talking about quite a few different things. One, just you hear the word sober-minded, and you know that it means not drunk, you know, not given to things that make it to where you're not in your right mind. Um, but it also means more than that. It means thinking clearly, um, just in general, clear thinking. And that involves a lot of things. Uh, I'm going to read you this short passage from First Peter that kind of gives you an idea. Um, a different place in Scripture this comes up. It says, it was, re- uh, it was revealed to them, this is the prophets, that they were not serving themselves but you, in that the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things to which angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. This is from 1 Peter 1. But you see the idea here where it's talking about sober-minded, it follows that up with, Um, you're setting your mind on something, and you're setting your hope on Christ, which really fits well with this whole section, because that's how it ends. But let's just think about those three things that he kind of summarizes with and appeals to the gospel on looking back. So think about what we were redeemed out of. We were redeemed out of not being sober-minded. We weren't thinking clearly. I mean, as we were lost, we did not think clearly about sin. We didn't think clearly about God. We didn't think clearly about those around us. Um, we were so self-focused. And we're supposed to not be like that anymore. We're supposed to, um, we don't want to go back there to where we're foggy in our thinking about what's going on in the world, about how we relate to others, so many things, basically everything. Um, instead, we want to be clear thinking and thinking clearly about God, thinking clearly about our actions, thinking clearly about others, about everything in our life. Um, and where that's looking back. I mean, you can probably, all of us can look back and think about just even if we weren't given to drunkenness, you know, times when you just were not clear thinking, uh, where you're muddled. Um, but then where we look forward, I mean, uh, well, let me 
I'm skipping ahead. We look for help to Christ. Um, how can we do this? How can we, as men, it's calling men to be sober-minded, how can we do that? Well, it's through Jesus. Uh, Ephesians 4 says, that's not the way you learn Christ, assuming you've heard about him and were taught him as the, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We're looking to Christ to give us this new mind, this clear-thinking mind, to think clearly. We look to Christ for help, and he promised he will. And so as we are walking in our life, we want to think clearly. And who are we looking to for help? To Jesus. And then we're looking forward to meeting Christ. It's going to be amazing, really, just to see Christ. It says we will be like him when we see him as he is. We're going to be able to understand better. We're going to be able to see God more clearly, see every, you know, the, whole, the whole world and everything in it. When we meet Christ, looking forward to the hope of the resurrection, things are going to be clear. Uh, our minds, we're going to understand things we didn't understand. We're going to be, uh, even the things in our life still where sin is still affecting us is going to be gone, and we're going to be able to think clearly about things and see things better than we ever have. We're thankful for that. So that's a you know, whirlwind you know, uh, tour of sober-minded, really fast. Um, but we've got quite a few other words that I want to hit here. Let's look at the next word, 2-2. Two, two. Still, older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, dignified. Or honorable, depending on your translation. The idea is worthy of respect, um, a lot of times this word is used, Paul uses it in connection with words. In this particular passage, he just uses the word honorable or dignified. But about half the time it's used, it gets used with, with speech. Um, he may or may not be thinking particularly about speech, but surely speech comes under the heading of dignified. I'll read you a couple other times it's used. It says, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued. So in that case, something that's not honorable is when you say something to one person and then you turn around and say the opposite thing to another person or you say, this is the way we're going to do it or this is the way I think we should do it and then you don't do it yourself. You're double-tongued. Your, your speech doesn't match your actions or your, even your speech doesn't match your speech in other situations. Um, another time Paul uses it, their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers. So you get the idea that one thing that's not honorable, that's not dignified, is talking bad about other people, um, slandering other people. And so whether he's thinking specifically about speech, speech definitely comes under it. And as older men and younger men, we want to be dignified. We don't want to be acting the way that causes shame or um, they can't, people can't honor it. And just think about our three headings, looking back to where we are saved from. Sin is not honorable, right? God saved us out of our sin. People, we don't want to honor sin. Um, where are we looking for help? Again, Jesus. We're looking to Christ for help in this, in all our actions. Um, we want Christ to help us, and he promised he will. Uh, we're looking to him for help in everything we do. This is a, quite a broad term, but it basically means in every th- way we act, uh, that we act in a way that honors God and is honorable. And we're looking forward, uh, looking forward to the day when it's 
when this isn't an issue. I mean, the vast majority of these things deal with sin. Um, it, honestly, it makes me think of this story of Noah. You, it's a really odd story. Uh, remember when Noah, after the fall or after the flood, he he leaves his tent and he plants a vineyard, and but then he gets drunk on on the wine. You remember this story? And one of the brothers comes in and he sees his dad lying there drunk, and then he turns around and he goes out of the tent and he tells his other brothers. And then the other two brothers, what they do is they take the they take a blanket and they walk backwards to cover up basically his his shame, and but also they walk backwards so they don't like um, shame him any more than he needs to. You know, it's going to be really wonderful when we are with Christ, when we're looking forward to meeting him, when we're never going to be put in a situation like that again. Right now we're in difficult situations. I mean, there's a lot of times in this world where you want to honor, be honorable. You want to act honorably. You want to honor what's honorable. But there's so much sin that it's hard to know. How do I do this, right? I disagree with, okay, let's give an example, the president, right, on a lot of things. But yet, I do believe that we're supposed to respect and be careful about how we talk, you know. And um, there's definitely ways that would be wrong. How do you do it? How do you honor what's honorable and yet not get taken in with the sin? It's really difficult. And it's just like this situation with Moses where, he wasn't honorable. He wasn't being honorable. Uh, the sin wasn't. And yet the sons tried the best, and I think God just has to help us, this really creative way to honor their father by covering him up, but not dishonor him any more than they needed to by walking backwards with the blanket. See what I'm saying? They honored him even in this dishonorable situation. It's quite an honorable <laughs> thing to do for them. Um, and we're in this situation all the time where we, every single one of us is a sinner. And there's things about us that need to be different. And we want, um, we want to honor people. Uh, we want to show honor as best we can in every situation, even when it's difficult, even when it's messy. But one day, when we meet Jesus, it's not going to be that messy anymore. Every, all the sins are going to be gone. All the dishonorable stuff is going to be washed away, and we're all going to be sin-free. It's going to be much there's not going to be this mess anymore of how do we honor in this sinful and messy world. Uh, but until then, let's do our best. Let's do our best to be honorable and to honor everyone and everything we can, every good thing, um, even though it's messy and it's hard. Okay, let's keep going. Um, self-controlled, we talked, about, we talked about that last week. Again, just who are we looking to for help? Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Um, sound in faith and in love and endurance. Uh, we talked. We spent a whole sermon on those things. We want to walk in faith and in love in everything we do, and we want to do that every day, day after day. So endure um, every single day. This is the way we want to act. Okay. I do want to hit love one times here, specifically thinking about dads and husbands. In other places, Paul talks about this, you know, in Ephesians, husbands, love your wives um, as Christ loved the church. And so here we are today thinking about men. It happens to be Mother's Day. We want to love our lives, love our wives well. We want to love our wives well. Is this something that we could look back and see, you know, as we're lost, 
um, deny, we want to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts and live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. We can all look back and remember how little love we had for people when we were lost, um, how f- short we fell in loving the people around us. I think a lot of that was because we're just so self-focused. Um, but we want to look to Christ for help. Um, we want to look to Christ for help to, to love uh, everyone, but specifically as husbands to love our wives. It's something that we're called to be doing every single day. We can ask and just pray, God, help help me to love my wife well every day. Um, not to get so familiar that I take her for granted or um, don't say something uh, to thank her or even act in a way that is contrary to love. Um, sadly, we've talked about this before, but sadly, oftentimes it's the people that we're closest to, that we're around the most, that we sin against the most, um, we get familiar and we take things for granted. And we don't want that to be the way we treat our wives. We want to, as older men and younger men, uh, if you're married, love your wife well. Um, Remember back when you were dating your wife, how you would be happy to do something maybe for, you know, it makes me think about uh, Jess and I when we were dating. We lived quite far apart like it's like what five hour drive or something like that um and i would be happy to get in the car and drive down there to get to spend some time with her and see her and um with a good attitude you know thankful um but now as we're married we don't want to lose that if there's something our wife needs help with something we can do to serve her and just spend some time with her we could just be thankful and uh remember it is a privilege and an honor just to spend time with your wife whether that's doing the dishes for or whatever it is. And so something to think about and to pray about today, especially for husbands on Mother's Day, just ask yourself, is there any way I'm falling short? And ask the Lord, God, would you show me? Is there any way that I could show love to my wife better? And then, you know, one really great place to look is you could ask your wife, hey, what's one way I could show you I love you better? That would really mean something to you. Um, because I bet a lot of the wives here would have different answers. So good to ask your wife and see what would make her feel loved. So, and again, kids. I mean, we, as fathers, we want to love our kids. Um, do you love your kids? Ask the Lord to help you, to show love to your kids, spending time with your kids, playing with your kids, um, pouring into your kids. There's a th- you know, being patient when they um, act like kids. And just ask the Lord for help. Um, and the same with faith. We want to walk in faith and everything. Look Again, looking to Jesus. Um, we're talking about the, this verse here, still on 2-2, that older men should be sound in faith and love and endurance. Ask God to help us. Just We could ask, just like the apostles ask, Lord, increase our faith. Help us. Again, that story of Noah is kind of a good story, you know. Love. We want to show love to everyone um, in every way we can, um, even when it's messy. You know, one more thing on endurance here on this last, for older men, endurance. Where do we find our endurance? Um, but I bet you can guess what I'm going to say. Jesus. There's actually a really great verse in Revelation 1.9. It says, I, John, your brother and partner in the persecution, tribulation and the kingdom... And the patient endurance that are in Jesus. Kind of interesting. He's a partner in 
the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. Where are you going to find endurance in all these things? Specifically, we just covered everything that goes over older men. Who's going to help us endure? I mean, it's one thing to commit today, hey, I'm going to do the dishes today for my wife, uh, or hey, I'm going to really try and love my kids by just playing with them for an hour, just as, you know, enjoy it and just get into it and, and laugh and run and, and not just, you know, sit on the couch and do whatever I normally do. Just spend some really good time with my kids. It's one thing to do that today. It's a totally different thing to have that mindset every day for the rest of the year or the rest of your life. Where's that, where's that going to come from tomorrow and the next day and the next day? Well, specifically, the patient endurance that are in Christ Jesus, the patient endurance that is in Christ Jesus. Revelation 1.9 says, the power to keep on going this way in serving God comes through Christ. We look to him for endurance today and the next day and every day. So that was kind of a whirlwind tour of uh, older men. So let's jump to younger men here. So let's turn here and get into uh, verse 6. Likewise, the younger men are to be self-controlled. We did a whole message on that last week. 7. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. So let's talk about that. A model of good works. In everything we do as men, uh, older or younger, but specifically here in younger, we want to be a model of good works, meaning everything we do, wherever we are, all the things we're doing, we want to do it well. We want, we want to go to work and work well. And so we could ask ourselves, are we a model of good works at work? Um, would my boss want everybody to work the way I work or not? Um, that could be good works at work. It could be at home. You know, Are you a model of good works at home? If the other husbands, if, let's say we had a husband conference or a men's conference, and you're the one that said, Here, well, this is how I act at home. And the, all the other guys said, yeah, you know what? I'm going to start acting like that. Would all the other wives be happy or would they all be upset? <laughs> right? I mean, it's like we want to be a model of good works at home. When nobody's looking, you know, are you willing to help or are you grouchy and complaining? You know, um, are you a help to your wife? Are you a model of good works at home with the kids? Do you help with the kids or not? Um, we want to be a model of good works all the time uh, when people are looking, when no one's looking, especially when no one's looking. Uh, God knows, and he's asking us to be a model of good works in everything. Um, because the reality is, is if you're a dad at home with your kids, um, you are a model for somebody, right? If your kids, when they grow up and they get married, they're likely going to do what you did with your kids and your wife. And they're going to be modeling, even subconsciously, how they act. Are you setting them up for success or failure or somewhere in between? We want to, by the grace of God and by help by His Spirit, we want to be a model of good works everywhere we are um, in the church. Um, We want to serve one another. Are we willing to help? Are we able and willing to help here? Um, whenever there's something going on, whether there's whether that's we had a bunch of guys come out and build that fence a couple of years ago, and just that was awesome, you know, just in a day or yeah, it was like one day, get it all done. That's great. Um, opportunities like that. Well, verse here that can encourage us as we look towards this, look to Christ for help, is one of my favorite verses. 
2 um, Corinthians 9.8, God is able to make all grace overflow to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may overflow in all your good works. I like all the alls there. God is able. This verse could really cover every, every single thing in this list here that we're talking about with men. God's able to make grace, his grace, overflow to us so that we can overflow in everything we're doing. Um, that's who we're looking to for help, and that's the power by which we can serve our wives, love our kids, uh, work hard at work. All these things that God wants us to do, we want to look to Christ for help. And notice that it's grace, and grace is overflowing to us, which means it's not dependent on how good you did last time. So it's like, well, last time I didn't do such a good job, so now God's not going to help me as much. That's not how it works. It's grace. It's not dependent on our good works, how good we've been up to this point. It's God is willing to pour out grace into your life, not based on you and your merit or anything you've done, but based on Christ and to help you today. Um, Praise the Lord for that. That would be a sad thing, wouldn't it? If every time that, I mean, that would be so sad. Imagine if every time we failed, God helped us just a little less the next time. That would be a downward spiral. Praise the Lord that it's grace overflowing into our lives. Every time we've failed at something a thousand times, you get impatient with our kids, you come to God for grace, he's willing to help you. On the 999th time, just as much as he was on the first time, he's there to pour into you so that you can be patient, you can love your kids, love your wife, um, and be a model of good works. Again, husbands, if you're married, I would just say ask your wife. Again, just ask the Lord, pray, and then ask your wife. God, it'd probably be good to pray beforehand because she... And wives might be good not to give too many things that you, just maybe two, one or two things that they could be doing. And um, just ask your wife, what can I be doing to be a, a bigger help around the house? Is there anything that I could be doing? What would really bless you and help you and um, make you feel loved if I helped with whatever it is? Okay, let's go on to the next thing. This is young men uh, in your teaching. Show integrity and dignity. Uh, this is kind of a full thought here and sound speech that cannot be condemned. Uh, but I'm going to cut it off right there at the end of verse 7. In your teaching or in your doctrine, show integrity and dignity. So this word teaching is the same word for doctrine. So doctrine is just what we believe about God. Uh, so all these things we could say, we've said so far, uh, a, a lost person could really do a lot of these things um, well. Um, they can't do them to the glory of God because they don't know the Lord, but they could be self-controlled. They could be a model of good works. Um, but here in this, this is, this is something totally different. This is, this is in our thinking. This is in what we know about God to not only to um, be clear on what it, what, who God is, what he's done, be in the word, be reading the word, knowing the word, not only that, but then in that, in having good doctrine, and having, in knowing what God says and believing it, then to have integrity and dignity. Meaning, not only do we know these things, not only are, should men, younger men and older men, be people of the word, reading the word, studying the word, knowing what God says, uh, try, seeking to apply it, um, but living it out, right? Not just knowing a lot of things in our minds, be, be really knowledgeable about doctrine, but show integrity, meaning that we're unmixed. Um, we are, there's soundness and incorruption, meaning 
in the doctrine, but also in our lives applying it. We don't want to just have good doctrine and be bad husbands or um, a thousand things. Know it, but not apply it out in our lives. We want to know what, who God is and what he's done, be in his word, be studying his word daily, praying through it, and then applying it to our lives. Again, so many reasons that we can look to Christ for help in this. Sanctify them in the, tr- in the truth. Jesus prayed, your word is truth. We want to be sanctified in the truth. Christ is the one helping us. He's praying for us there, but he's given us his word. Um, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without approach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith. With no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. If we lack wisdom, we can ask the Lord. We can look to Christ for help. He wants to help us in our doctrine. He wants to help us not only to know it, but to live it out with integrity and dignity. Uh, we kind of talked about that word dignity already, but honorable. Um, you know, another thing we can lean on in terms of this is that God is going to discipline us. This could be really applied to all the verses, but remember in Hebrews it says that our earthly fathers disciplined us for a short short time as it seemed best to them, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. We want to know our Bibles. We want to know scripture. We want to live it out with integrity and incorruption. So a couple of questions you could ask yourself. Do you study the word? Do you read it? Um, Do you think about it? Do you know it? And if you don't, um, today's a great day to start. Start Whether that's a Bible reading plan or just time set aside to open open up God's word and read through it and pray through it. Especially as husbands and fathers, we want to be able to pass that on to our kids. And then let's pick it up here in verse 8 and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us. Sound speech that cannot be condemned. So this is the last one in terms of men. It's our words. Um, we want to, we've kind of covered our thinking, right? We want to think in line with God's word. We want to know it, and then we want to, in our behavior, live it out um, in all these different ways we've talked about. But this is specifically talking about our words. It's really important. Words are really important, and, and same for men and women when we get to women next week. We'll see it too, but words are really important. Um, how we talk, what we say, really matters. Every single word. Um, we've got to be careful with our tongue because once it's out, it's out. And I bet you can all think of things that people have said to you uh, that stuck with you you know, and, and hurt you. And it didn't take long, but some of, I mean, I, I bet a lot of us have things from our childhood that you still remember um, that hurt. And it just shows words are powerful things. Um, and as men, we want to have sound speech that cannot be condemned. And we want to think and be clear and be thoughtful and be prudent and be careful with our words. James one twenty six. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. 
Luke 6, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure of his heart produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Well, one thing we can do is look back again. This is the, Think about what God saved you out of. Hopefully that as you've become a Christian, that God has you know changed your heart, renewed your heart, put his spirit within you, that you could see that your speech has changed over time. Um, and again, look to help. Look for help to Christ. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure of his heart produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And it seems like one of the big things here in terms of our words is what's in our heart. That when these things come out, it's because they're in our heart to begin with. And the way Jesus deals with this is by giving us this new heart that loves God and loves people. And so we can look to him for help. Fill me with love. Fill me with love for you, God, and fill me with love for others. And in him, in that, in walking in love and in faith, that affects our heart. And that our heart is where our words come out of. We speak from the heart. Um, that's what Jesus specifically said there. So in many ways, words are a symptom of a deeper problem, right? When we get, when our words come out and they're wrong or they're um, an overreaction or whatever is going on, whatever it looks like, it's a heart problem there. Something's going on in the heart. And who do we look to for help? We look to Christ. And he can help us. And he's promised to help us. Um, Ezekiel 36 says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. That's the new covenant promise of the new covenant. Um, but it applies to all these things, but specifically here to words. We need the Lord. We need a soft heart, and we need God's spirit in us. Um, because these words are coming from a place of the heart. And Christ and God um, in Christ through the Spirit is the one who gives us this new heart, this soft heart that loves God and loves people. We want to be careful in our words. There's so many things. It'd probably be good to follow up on this because we're kind of, like I said, going through all these today, just kind of shotgun approach, hitting all of them. But just to think about our words specifically, so many ways in which we fall short in our words, whether that's gossip, which is going to come up later with the ladies, or um, just a careless word. Just um, Proverbs talks a lot about scoffing. You know, uh, there's there's ways to say th- say things that are better than others. Um, we want to think carefully, be prudent, and look to Christ for help in this. And so this again is another thing as husbands and as young men. Uh, if you're really young, you could ask your parents: Is there any way in which my words um, aren't honoring to the Lord or aren't honoring to you as my parents? Or husbands, ask your wives. Um, Sometimes it may simply be a lack of words. I think a lot of times, just speaking in generalities here, but men um, don't express appreciation, love uh, to their wives as much as the wife would would like. And just silence. Um, Not necessarily saying uh, things that they shouldn't say to their wives, but maybe just not saying what they should be saying. Um, Not saying they're thankful and how we appreciate our wives as much as we should. We can look to Christ for help in all these things. We want to be careful. We want to 
we want to think before we speak, and when we do speak, we want to say it in the way that is the most helpful. Um, well, I think it would be good to talk about that more some other time, specifically maybe a whole message on speech. But these are just some things to think about today um, for husbands and young men. And I want to end just with reading this again um, at the end of Titus 2, just how we talked about before we started any of the commands here. You know, we started the series on in terms of Titus 2, talking through this chapter about what's the power to do this. It's not in our own strength. It's not to earn our salvation. It's because of what Jesus has done. We're leaning on him, not to earn anything, but because of what he did for us on the cross by washing away our sins. And we look back and we see, man, I don't want to go back there. I don't want to live the way I used to live. Um, The things that I've been forgiven for, I don't want to run into those. I want to walk like Christ, and I want to look to him for help. So I'm just going to read here the end of Titus 2 one more time. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Very thankful for that, that it's by grace and that it's available to every single person here. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Thankful that God washed us of our sins. We don't want to go back into it. We want to pursue Jesus. Um, We want to be like him, upright and godly in the present age. 13. Waiting for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Looking forward to meeting him. Um, We want to know him ready to be with him, 14, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Aren't we thankful that when Jesus died for us, he didn't just forgive us of our sin and leave us gripped in the power of sin. He redeemed us. He purchased us out of the slavery of sin so that not only are we forgiven of our sin, we have a new power uh, to fight against sin, the spirit of God within us, this new heart. And so it's not a losing battle. It's not something that we have no power over. It's something that Christ won the victory on the cross, not only to forgive us, but to free us from the power of sin, to purchase us, to redeem us from all lawlessness, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. We're his people. We're the people of God. And in the way we act and walk, we want to live out the gospel, looking back to the things we're forgiven from and and freed from and to walk in newness of life. And in that way to adorn the gospel, adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in our daily life. That's at our home, in the church, at work, everywhere we are with our kids, with our wives, with our friends, and how we talk about people we like and people we don't like. In the words we choose to speak, whether that's um, precise, um, clear words, or whether, you know, to avoid um, sarcastic mean words. Um, in everything we do, in our behavior, in our thinking, we want to know the word, and in our, in our actions, and in our words, we, in every way we want to adorn the doctrine of God our Savior, wherever we are. And we can look to Christ for help. So, let's pray together. Father, um, just know there's a lot uh, just covered, but pray that just for each of us men, that maybe just one thing would stick out to us. And um, 
that we could really honor you better this week and this next year um, better. Thank you for a wise um, pray that there would be conversations about these things and um, we could be better husbands and better dads. We're looking to you for help. We're thankful, Jesus, that you died for us and made a way that any of this is possible, um, that you were patient with us. Thank you for grace, um, covering our sins and empowering us to be different, to be more like you. Thank you, Jesus, for being our example and being a perfect man, and we're thankful to be able to read about your life and see that. We ask these things in your name. Amen.